Welcome to the Hiking My Feelings virtual campfire. My name is Sydney Williams, and tonight is the first virtual campfire of 2021. We made it. <laughs> so if you're here, if you're listening back later, if you're watching live, thank you for being here. We are so excited to have everybody back. Um, tonight is a great episode. I am really stoked. We have Christy Nelson, who is the author of Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. And we also have Josh Swain, who is from one of my favorite bands, The Movement. So um, if you, this is your first time here, a little bit about the virtual campfire. This is our, it uh, started as a fundraiser to raise money for the Hiking My Feelings um, Wilderness Wellness Center. We transitioned um, from doing in-person events, much like the rest of the world um, when COVID hit. And now we are doing a lot of virtual stuff. So a couple updates about what we have going on um, this year, specifically with two of our um, flagship programs. We are on a mission this year to hike 1 million miles for diabetes awareness during the Take a Hike Diabetes campaign. And sharing a little bit about that, the reason behind this is hiking helped me heal my mind and body. And it really gave me an opportunity to reset and connect with my inner voice and find a little bit of peace in this chaotic world. And when I started hiking, I was able to connect the dots between trauma I had um, experienced earlier in life. For me, that was a sexual assault and some other trauma as well. Um, and how when I didn't get help that informed coping mechanisms like eating and drinking my feelings, then I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And I realized in the course of learning how to manage the disease that when I couldn't eat and drink my feelings, if I wanted to be good at being a diabetic, um, I replaced those coping mechanisms with hiking my feelings. And so hiking my feelings started in 2018 and we are on a mission to improve community health by creating opportunities for people to experience the healing power of nature. And this year, our campaign is Take a Hike Diabetes. So we are really excited about how things have kicked off. We did a, a pilot program back in November for Diabetes Awareness Month last year and hiked more than 6.3 million steps together as a community, which was just mind-blowing, honestly. Um, so, so far this year, it is the seventh day of January. And as of right before this broadcast, we had 58 participants registered. We have hiked together 380 miles for diabetes awareness. So we only have like 999,000 to go. It's fine. We'll get there. Um, and we've raised $2,600. So if you're interested in learning more about the campaign or if you want to join us, you can get more information at hikingmyfeelings.org diabetes. And we hope that you will join us because together we can defeat diabetes one step at a time. So moving to our next Quick announcement, um, we have a flagship program called Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love. It is a 12-week intensive and it started on Sunday, but we are keeping registration open until tomorrow, which is Friday. So if you want to join us, you can look forward to 12 weeks of healing activities to help you find your way home to yourself. We do a lot of guided self-discovery exercises here at Hiking My Feelings and we introduce hiking as a mindfulness activity. So similar to how in a seated or guided meditation, you would return to your breath when things start to get a little squirrely in your brain. 
With our programs, we give you a thought to think about and a question to ask yourself that ties back into the themes present in that week in the program. So when you're out hiking and your body's like, you can't do this. And you're like, yeah, I can body, shut your mouth. Like I got this. Then you can like bring yourself back to center. So the question for this week is what inspires me? So if you're watching or if you're listening, take a few minutes, take a couple of deep breaths and think about what inspires you. Um, what inspires me? The fact that we're all still here and we made it through last year. So um, that's a little bit about Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love. If you're interested in joining us, you can join us at hikingmyfeelings.org slash B-Y-O-T, like Blaze Your Own Trail. And now, without further ado, I am so excited to introduce Christy Nelson. She is the author of excuse me, the author of Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted, and also the executive director at the Network for Grateful Living. She was diagnosed with stage four cancer when she was 33 years old. In the 27 years since, she has lived into all that's possible when we take nothing for granted. Christy, welcome to the show. Price is right. Come on down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying awesome. to do the price is right thing for you. Okay. I love it. So for the people that don't know, um, I found Christy by accident. I was writing an article about gratitude and the benefits of it for people living with chronic illness. Because when you think chronic illness, you can think that might be a hard way and a hard life to live um, and find gratitude in it. But I interviewed Christy and the second we got on the Zoom call, it was much like this. Christy's little image was on top of mine. We were just sitting here jamming. And I was like, um, this woman is basically my soul sister. We are galactic beings from another planet. <laughs> and somehow we found each other here on earth in these bodies in this life. So Christy, I'm so excited to talk to you tonight. Thanks for joining us. I just feel like my hip register just went up like tenfold. You know, I just feel so... I'm so happy. And I want to join hiking my feelings. I want to join um, really seriously the diabetes effort. And I, I'm so impressed by you, proud of you, excited about the group and everything you guys are doing. So count me in. You found me, sister. I'm so happy to find you. Honestly. So thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about, I think where I'd like to start is let's talk about the cancer diagnosis, because one of my friends who I hope is listening to this, um, his name is Tim, and he was recently diagnosed with stage four cancer. Mm. And so knowing that that was part of your life journey, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about the diagnosis and how that started this path for you um, with living gratefully. Mm. Such a big question. Um, so first, I think a huge, important part of my experience is that I, it took them nine months to diagnose me. And so in that nine months, my cancer went from whatever stage it was to stage four. And I ended up with cancer that metastasized from my chest. My, it was around my heart and my chest, and then it went into my spine. So by the time it went into my lumbar spine, so that's a stage four, um, when it goes into certain parts of your body that are more intractable, harder to get the cancer to move, right? So that are less responsive. Chemotherapy tends to work really well with um, cancers that uh, it attacks fast growing cells. So when it gets to the uh, systems in your body where your cells are growing slower, it's harder to get. So it was, uh, by the time it got to my spine, you know, I couldn't walk, went through all of the treatments that I went through. And then there I was with this, um, diagnosis and prognosis. And I basically said, <clears throat> I mean, one thing that we didn't really talk about, Cindy, but I said to uh, all the doctors, 
because they wanted me to do, after going all the way through, I had 11 surgeries, I had chemo, I had radiation. It took, the whole journey was about a year and a half um, from beginning to end until I finished treatment. And then they wanted me to do a prophylactic bone marrow transplant, like a bone marrow harvesting and everything. So I could, and I just said, no, like I am, I'm done. I'm done for now. Like, I'm not going to go through something that I don't have to go through. And I'm going to invest in hope. I'm going to do everything I can. But I also said, I don't want to know what you think my prognosis is because this body has never had cancer before this cancer. You can tell me all the things that other people, you know, how other people have survived this or haven't survived this and when I'm going to get a recurrence. And they would start to say things or try to put me into a box about here's what's gonna to happen to you. You know, here's what you can expect. You can expect a recurrence within three years. Whoa, no, you know, don't tell me that. This body has never had this cancer before, right? You like, I'm new to your whole research data. Whole like, thing. and yeah. I'm, yeah, and I'm gonna, you know, and my determination was if I can do anything here, I wanna shift. I wanna be a new tale. I wanna be a new outlier. I wanna change the data for other people. And here I am 27 years later. I mean, 33 was a long time ago. And, and yet I have lived that way with this sense of how long will I live? I have no idea. Living under that cloak of you're mortal. You know, we can't promise you anything. You, you're now struggling with something that um, is not very hopeful. And I said, I'm going to hope no matter what, and I'm going to, you know, do this. So for me, it was really like, how do I live every single moment that I have? Because none of us know how long we're going to live. And that was what I realized in the whole thing is the great universal is none of us know. And, and I kept yeah. saying to my friends who would come visit me and be like, oh my God, crying at my bedside and everything. I said, watch how you cross the street. Cause man, you could go before me. You know, like basically right. we're in touch with mortality because of my disease. Um, and that's great if it helps people live more vividly and more acutely and in the moment and really live fully in their hearts out loud and do what you want and dream what you dream. But I didn't want to be this person who was an anomaly. It was rather, let me teach this whole idea that we're all mortal. We have no idea what's gonna happen in our lives. The future is totally uncertain. Everybody says we're living in uncertainty. We've always lived in uncertainty. Life is mysterious. So I was kind of an embodiment of that. And in the face of all of that, what do we do? What do we do in the face of not knowing is for me the big question, right? Yeah. So in the face of not knowing how are we going to live, because the truth is none of us are going to follow any protocol, any, any disease, which just says, this is exactly how it's going to go. I have yet to find anybody who conforms exactly to what, you know, the medical authorities say is going to happen. Right. And so I think we get, we have a lot of influence about how we travel that journey and how we go through the whole experience. And I wanted to have that influence. And so for me, Living gratefully was, I got every single moment, I got this moment, I got this moment, I got this moment. How am I going to live it? Not knowing how many I had ahead. And that's still the truth for me. That's amazing. And so before your diagnosis were, was gratitude and living gratefully as front and center as it was after your diagnosis? No, no, I I've always, you know, I was a pretty, I was a healthy person. I was a runner. I did yoga. I was a vegetarian. You know, I did all the things that I thought were going to 
keep me healthy. You know, all the ideas about, you know, and then I realized there were so many people who were ma making all these other decisions and it's like, we don't know, but I made all these right decisions and I got cancer anyway. And what do you do with that? I could have been, woe is me, woe is me, why me, why me? But I didn't, I really felt like, okay, what's here for me to learn? What's here for me to experience? How can I grow from this? What can I teach myself? What can I teach other people? So I think living gratefully was, it was a matter of continuing to have perspective. And one of the things I wanna say about your program that's so cool is that getting ourselves out into the natural world is an absolute immediate pathway to perspective. And perspective is everything about living gratefully, right? So um, however you can get perspective, that's gonna be the way that you're, you're gonna look for perspective and find yourself able to navigate the steps of your life so differently when you get perspective. So yes. that's really the pathway. Yeah, well, and I think that's something that really resonated with me when I was first learning about you and your journey with the diagnosis and life lived afterward was, I looked at my diabetes diagnosis as an opportunity, not a burden. Like, and it's so easy, especially with diabetes. And like, I feel like, and diseases are diseases and nothing about it is a competition. And also the stigma around diabetes, specifically type two is yeah. such that you're fat, you're lazy, you're worthless, you're, you know, you're whatever. There's so many horrible like stereotypes that go yeah around that disease. And I was like, okay, well, you know, leading up to this, I, you know, I kind of did fit the mold. Like I, I wasn't taking care, excuse me. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't moving. I was sad and I was drinking myself to death and eating everything in sight. And this was like serious enough to kick my butt into gear and be like, Sydney, it's time to get it together. Mm -hmm. And so where I found gratitude in living with a chronic illness was just like, one, I'm grateful that we caught it early. I'm grateful that my body had not progressed in this disease state and that I was able to, you know, get ahead of it. And also just so grateful for the place that I was at, at in my life at the time. I, you know, I was well-resourced more. I was at the height of my career. I was making, which, you know, probably contributed to the problem, but I was making tons of money. I had great health insurance. So there wasn't anything in my way except for potentially me. Like I was the only thing that could have hindered my progress because everything else was available to me. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm lucky, very, very lucky in that regard. Um, so when it comes to this book that you just released, mm -hmm. Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. Oh my God, I love that title, by the way. Um, <laughs> what you. led you to writing this book? Had this been, a, like, why now? Right. So I've been the director of this organization for almost seven years. Um, and, you know, we do a lot to inspire people to live gratefully, but people really wanted to know what are the steps? How do I do it? What's the guide? You know, like you go on a trail, what are the trail markers? How do I know? Am I doing it right? How do I come back? And living gratefully is literally that it's every single moment. It's not just you go sit on a cushion for 20 minutes and repeat a mantra and then you've lived gratefully and that's all you have to do. And like people say, how do I practice? How do I practice? It's like living mindfully. It's living um, energetically. It's living consciously. It's living simply. It's literally in every decision that we make in every way we spend our moments. And I think for me, what you just described though, I will say is that for me, cancer was a wake up call. And for you, diabetes was a wake up call, right? And wake up calls 
as you like to say, can kick our ass. You use the language, so I'm going to follow in your footsteps and try to be hip here and a badass. So, um, <laughs> so wake up calls kick our butts. They really do, and sometimes it really hurts, and sometimes we lose an incredible amount, and sometimes we suffer hugely, and sometimes we don't know um, what the opportunities are in our lives until we lose them. And so for me, writing this book was saying, wake up to the opportunities available to you in your life right now. Wake up to what you care about, what you're concerned about, what you're passionate about. Wake up to everything that matters to you now. Don't wait for the wake up call because wake up calls can also get worse, right? So you can have a wake up call and then you don't do anything about it. So it's like, how do we live awake? That's really the thing. So wake up grateful is live awake, live gratefully. Don't wait for the wake up call or the next wake up call. Does it have to get worse for us to really live the way we want to live, to see the opportunities of our lives in every single moment as precious, so precious. Oh, yeah. I dig it. Is this your first book? Oh yeah. It was so How's hard. It been? <laughs> author to author. Let's like, let's rant a little bit. Like, uh, what was the publishing process like for you? How has it been since you released it? Cause I know like in my mind, I've known since I was itty bitty, like since I could form thoughts, I feel like if there's one thing I've known in my life, it's that I wanted to write a book and be an author someday. Yeah. And that dream held so much space in my mind and my body and my spirit that once it was out, I was like, okay. And then there's all this room, like, cause it takes up so much room, especially when you're in it and you're writing it and you're getting ready to publish. Um, it's like an everyday, all day kind of occupation in your brain. And so once I had it out the door, I was like, okay. And you can like kind of exhale a little bit. But for me, it was after my first, first book event. And I feel like, cause this just came out. So you haven't been able to like go to a bookstore and have any of the those things. Yes. That sucks. So I was supposed to go on a book tour earlier this year and it got canceled. I got to do four dates and then it was over. Um, but the first one that I did, it was everything I could have dreamed of. It was diesel Del Mar in San Diego, California. Oh, yeah. and it was packed and people were it was standing room only. And my friends, Kaleo and Melanie and Meaty and Travis and like all, everybody that meant something to me was in the audience that was there that could be there. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm doing it. And I read and like my voice kind of cracked a little bit, but it was fine. Cause like, it's my first time. And then afterward, it was this huge gaping hole in my soul. And like, I had this like dark night experience where I was just like, <gasps> who am I without this huge life consuming dream? And then on the backside of that was just overwhelming and like full body experience and gratitude for the mm. opportunity to share my story for the opportunity to write a book on my own in this way I didn't get a publishing deal I didn't even try to pursue one I was just like this story is needs to be told it felt so urgent when I was writing the book so I'm curious about your process going through all of that wow um hmm I, it was so hard to write the book. I mean, writing the book also because I was running the organization at the same time. So I'm running the organization and trying to write the book. And it was, the book was super ambitious. It's trying to do a ton of things. It's got my cancer story in it. It's got a lot of philosophy. It's got poetry and it's super practical. I wanted to do it like a guidebook. So it's like, I'm going to do the whole smorgasbord, man. I want something from everything. And so it was a very ambitious book and trying to do a lot of things at once. And um, 
you know, it's, and I felt like for me, it was birth. It was literally uh, having never birthed it. And, and yet my friends kept saying, you know, every time I came to a next editing round, you know, cause I was working with a publisher and have a big editing round. It was like, oh my God, they put the baby back in you and you have to birth it again. <laughs> I'm like, this is just so hard. And so I would go through these huge editing rounds and they're multiple times, you know, it's like, and then you get your, you know, the copy stuff at the end and you, it was stunning the process of it. And, um, and then COVID hit, I finished the book and COVID hit like literally that month and um, in March. And so it's been hard and it's also, you know, I'm always trying to look for the opportunity and like, you're giving me an opportunity. It's so great to get to talk to people and, and to be connected in the things that really matter to our hearts in this huge way. So I think there is all that stuff of, you know, it is like birth. It is like you're sending something out into the world that is through you and of you, but not you. And so it gets to have a life of its own and it gets to develop its legs and it also gets to fall down and it gets to squat and it gets to like, you know, have a tantrum and, you know, seriously, I mean, books are their own thing. And I think they have a life force and a lifespan that is totally mysterious to us. I think this is, you know, how do you turn these things over and just say, whatever's meant to be around this, I'm going to really be part of this book's life now and follow it around while it toodles around and do what I can and also get out in front of it. But it's literally like, I really can't help but have it. Feed. I also felt like I was running a marathon, but at some point, <laughs> like too many analogies and metaphors. So tell me, um, about the Network for Grateful Living. What is your role there and what mm -hmm. is this organization all about? Okay, so Network for Grateful Living, it was started about 20 years ago by a guy named Brother David Steindl-Rast. A lot of people know about him. He's a super, super amazing, brilliant, hip um, Benedictine monk. He's now 94 years old. And so he started it when he was 74, get a load of that. Um, and he started it as an online, he called it online support for offline living. And so it's like you come and what we call, it's really a sanctuary. It's a place you come, you get filled up and then you, you get inspired, you get emboldened and it helps you to live gratefully. So we offer, we have amazing, I mean, really, honestly, I, I think our work is so extraordinary and, uh, we, thanks. Um, we, have a community. We, we serve about a hundred thousand people a month, a month so come to our website. <laughs> I was like, yeah, nodding. And then I was like, oh, she said a month. Okay. A month. Right. I was goals, like, okay, right. girl, goals. <laughs> okay. So almost a hundred thousand people global, they come to our website and people go there and they literally call it a lifeline. It's a lifeline for hopefulness. It's a lifeline for engagement, for seeing opportunity, for seeing possibility where it isn't helping to get present. And it's all about perspective. So you come there and it helps deepen your perspective for how you can live your life. And it's so beautiful. What we do is beautiful. We have a beautiful team, we're virtual. I absolutely love this work. And, um, and I wrote the book here. I'm just gonna flash it because this is, there's the yes, baby. Please do. There it is. Ah! Um, and She's it's pretty real. You can hold her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she feels good. She feels so good. And her paper, I love that they made the paper like vanilla, not yeah. white. Not yeah. White. So um, 
So I wrote that so that it could be all the people who are coming to the website saying, but now tell me more what to do. Cause we're always looking for formulas, right? Like all of us want like, okay, give me the formula. What do I do? And then you make it your own. You know, you have to live into these things in ways that are like, it, formulas often don't work very well, you know? So it's like, how do you really own it? How do you shape shift it? How do you be creative around it? And so that's what this book is. It's an invitation. So the website is awesome. Gratefulness. Dot org. Easy to remember. Org. Easy. I like it. Gratefulness.org. Yep. So I'm curious, what is coming up for you in 2021? Because our theme for our virtual campfires this month is grateful for change. And mm. in my mind, um, one of the first things Barry said to me, because I, I know this might be hard to believe, but I'm high energy and I used to be high strung. Um, and so one of the first things that Barry told me when we met, he's like, Sydney, the only constant in life is change. I was like, all right, father Barry, thank you. Um, <laughs> so 2020, I feel like was the embodiment of experiencing change. Um, anybody that had jobs or was running businesses or trying to bring creative projects into the world, it was just like a big year of pivoting for us here. Um, so in the spirit of grateful for change, what's coming up for you in 2021 and what are you grateful for as far as lessons from 2020? Mm. Okay, that's deep. So let me just have a minute. Gotta go, gotta go inside. All right, I'll start with what I'm grateful for. Um, If we, so I'll just speak for myself. If I haven't learned resilience, I don't know what, right? So like, I thought I was resilient before. And then you say, okay, now uh, you can't be physically close to your family and friends. And I was like, uh, okay, you know, I can work with a lot of different things, but that was, you know, so it's like, what can we work with? What can we do without? What are we challenged by? How do we as I said, shapeshift, how do we reinvent? How do we get creative about things? So I feel like this, I mean, it's been just a huge year. And uh, this coming year, I feel like, it does feel like a really different sense of, I feel like I've been out front, like writing a book was like being out front of something. Leading an organization has been about being out front. I'm kind of psyched to follow, follow energy, follow life, follow opportunity. I'm really psyched to not always be at the front of the line going up the hill, but to actually hang back, check out what that's like. And, and there's something about faith in that for me too, like trusting and, um, and going where I'm led as opposed to there, it took so much will and willpower. It took so much discipline to get this book done and to lead the organization at the same time and all the things I was juggling. And it was like this, whoa, look at what I was able to do. And then this kind of exhaustion. And then it's like, okay, there's a different way to walk the path now. You know, there's a different way to hike my feelings, you know, and I feel like, <laughs> gonna borrow your, but I really do feel that there's an invitation to hike differently. And that it doesn't have to be this huge willful push. Can it be slower? 
can it be more steady, more studied, more mindful, more attentive? So I'm psyched to follow. I love the idea of following life. It's one of my favorite things. Follow life. Where is it leading? Where is it inviting you? Listen, tune into the energy, follow energy. Where is it? So that means for me being much more um, situated inside my own meditation practice so that I'm able to hear life. I'm able to feel life. If I don't come from that deeply quiet place, I'm just inventing what I'm hearing. I'm like superimposing on the quiet the, the message I want to hear, like, okay, <laughs> yeah, go to the refrigerator. No, no, that's not what life is saying. So it's like, how do I, how do I really hang with the quiet spaces and let myself hear at a deeper level and follow life at a deeper level? I think that's what's next. That is a whole mood, Christy. Like, I just want to like soak that in for a second via sponge because I feel like I've been out front nonstop around the clock for the last three years without much of a breath since we yeah. started this organization. And now it feels like it's getting to the point where one, I can loosen the reins a little bit Two, I can ask for the help I need and not feel guilty about it because I feel like we've gotten to a place where now everything feels cohesive enough to where it makes sense. And it's not just me throwing spaghetti at a wall, seeing what sticks and then adjusting from there. Yeah. Um, so I love the idea of following for a little bit. That sounds absolutely delightful and um, it means letting other people lead too yeah it means and, really and trusting that they up, can totally 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 and and inviting that loving that and empowering that possibility so you know i'm i'm looking forward to that and we can we can walk side by side you and okay, i i love looking, it let's do it <laughs> yeah. um so a couple things one does this network for grateful living, is this still an online community or do you guys have a space where people can come and do, I mean, obviously things are different with COVID, but is there a right. retreat center? Is that yeah. on the roadmap? Like what's the deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how cool is that? I mean, we, someone asked what's our biggest, biggest dream. We want to have, um, our dream is to have a retreat center for grateful living. Right. So that basically you, you find the space that people really? can come really like, <laughs> okay. Um, and and um, I was able to teach at Kripalu Yoga Center for a couple of years, which I loved. Um, weekend workshops, you know, and I was supposed to teach at 1440 Multiversity in California this year. So that I love to do, which is actually gathering with, you know, human beings in person. Um, online is amazing. Virtual is amazing. It's such a privilege. And um, I do feel, I do feel like, well, we do gratefulness, we have gatherings. We have gratefulness gatherings. People lead grateful gatherings all over the place. And one of the things people are gonna do with this book is book groups. It's, yes. This is a book for book groups in a big way. It's kind of like a study guide. And I think it's a way to go deep and it's really great to have a community of practice. So that's gonna make everything stick. You know, That's gonna make things really, where you're really practicing together and it's something to come back to each other with. So we're gonna start more and more book groups and they'll start online, you know, be virtual. They'll have to be a lot of them will be virtual and then a lot of them will be in person. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I look forward to that. Also, Thank we you. should probably definitely build a retreat test center together someday. I'm just saying like, maybe okay. not for this, maybe it's like our fun place, but it's fine. Planting the seed. Um, so <laughs> hard to be not in the lead when you do that kind of stuff. Like I'm kind of happy right now to go to other people's retreat center first. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So before we open this up for Q and A, 
um, the difference between gratitude and living gratefully, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong and jump in. It sounds like gratitude is a moment that we find that we cultivate, that we look for and living gratefully is an artful practice that we just like do all the time. Is that, Mm -hmm. how would you describe the difference if there is one? And, and there's no dissing gratitude because gratitude is awesome, but, and gratitude is often, um, fleeting. It's conditional. It's a response. Um, it's, uh, usually, a, a reaction to something happening that we wanted to have happen, right. Or something, we get something or something goes the way we want it to go. Gratefulness, which is what we kind of say, or living gratefully is really a proactive approach to life. It's an orientation to life. It's like every moment it's unconditional. It's not fleeting. It's really the possibility of stringing together all the moments of our lives and being able to continually return to gratefulness rather than waiting. I like to say gratitude waits for something to happen. Gratefulness just waits for us to be awake. My goodness. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So for anybody that's listening that may be living with a chronic illness or is experiencing a challenging time, high life in the world right now is pretty darn challenging and can be very um, disheartening. Do you have like, because we like listicles, like, do you have like a couple tips for people to help get um, Mm. into living gratefully? And like, what's a good way to start that? Well, there's all kinds of practices. And what's amazing is you are such a teacher because one of the first questions is always, what's the opportunity here? Because as soon as we can identify the opportunity, it opens up possibility and we can find gratefulness in there. Usually it's about, so the practice is stop, look, go. That's the listicle. And if that isn't the easiest listicle, I don't know what is, right? So it's like, (laughs) stop, look, go. You're supposed to cross the street. You stop, you become aware, you look, you check things out and then you go. So brother David made that up. And I was like, oh gosh, how do I tell people what the heck that means? You know, it's like, it's a, um, so from him, it sounded amazing. And for me, it was like, okay, people were saying, well, what do I look for? And how, what am I stopping for? And where am I going? You know? And so I had to make it that we're stopped. We stop for presence. We look for perspective and we go for possibility. Those are the mm-hmm. three. So it's the three P's. Um, And inside, there's all these points of perspective that we look at. So really, I'm I'm somebody who's really into poignancy, which is, that's a point of perspective, which is, you know, it could be otherwise. Like, literally, we could not be here right now. Like, life is short, and life is incredibly precious. And that creates poignancy right there. And if you live into that, like, if you remember that life is short, and that we're mortal, and that we have no idea what's going to happen, and the future is unpromised and you live into that space, it's incredibly rich. It's incredibly poignant and it's the truth. So, you know, there's all these points of perspective you can cultivate, um, seeing the privilege, seeing the abundance, seeing, for me, one of the biggest ones is see the ordinary as extraordinary. See the ordinary as extraordinary. There is nothing ordinary in this world. Everything is a mind blowing, awe inspiring, miracle if you really think about it and we just that's what taking nothing for granted is is we walk right past the most breathtaking things in the whole world that would absolutely our our grandparents would have fallen over debt like literally could people would just say oh my god you have a little card and you get money 24 7 and it's a debit thing and we used to have to wait for the bank to open and you know 
we have fresh running water right out of our tap, right? It's like clean water you can drink. So much the world doesn't have it. So how do we get so stuck in feeling deprived, feeling scarcity, feeling the not enoughness of life when life could blow our minds all the time, any single moment, if we shift the way we see it. And so I like to say, it's not about whether the glass is half full or half empty. It's about whether you have a glass at all. It's about having the glass. If you have a glass, you're lucky, even if it's empty. So just looking at everything as like, oh my God, we can now be here right now with each other. I mean, yeah, I could cry because I don't have any kind of, there's no bookstores where I can go visit, but I get to hang out with you virtually, look at you, you know, love your energy. We get the privilege of technology. We have the most extraordinary privileges and we take them for granted. And I think taking nothing for granted is living gratefully. That's exactly what it is. When we stop taking things for granted, we live gratefully. As soon as we open our eyes and just say, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Indeed. Um, For anybody in the Zoom, if you have a question, go ahead and pop on your camera and you are free to ask. I know Mary had something to share. Hi, Mary. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you sound great. Okay, so I'm having a total fangirl moment here that I didn't know I was going to have. So this is so crazy. Um, I, so my um, journey to grateful living started in March. Um, I became sober on March 8th. My mom passed away on March 10th. And then the pandemic just spiraled, you know, within a few days after that. And it took me a while to like literally get out of bed like a few weeks. And, um, when I finally did, I started walking around my neighborhood. I started reading Sydney's book. I started joining Sydney's book talks on Sundays. Then I started listening to podcasts and I landed on brother David's conversation with Krista Tippett, the on being podcast. And Holy shit. It was like, it woke me up and Mm. I felt all the feels and I highly recommend it to anyone. And I now wake up every morning to the emails from your organization. Yay. You're a fan. (laughs) I'm a fan fan of you. I like candles on the website. (laughs) So, and I didn't make the connection that this was you until, um, when we were getting ready to go and I saw your logo instead of your video. I thought that really familiar. So I googled <laughs> your name and I saw gratefulness.org and I just wow I just got goosebumps and I can't wait to read your book. So I thank just you, Mary. To, that is um, so amazing. It just feels really cool to connect with you and um, that Sydney found you. And I love your organization and um, I love Brother David. Wow, he thank is you. just he's an incredible human that um, he is. I think everyone needs to just even just hearing his voice i know it's the most beautiful thing in the whole world his his ted talk also is one of the most amazing ted talks it's you know so it's 15 16 minutes you got 20 minutes you guys can all listen to that and and one of brother david's most famous things that he says is it's not happiness that makes us grateful it's gratefulness that makes us happy so that's really the key to all of this is when we take nothing for granted and we treasure what we have and we're aware of all of what's rich in our lives if we're grateful for what we have no matter what we have we are so happy and if you're you can have everything in the world you think you're supposed to have and if you're not grateful for it you're never going to be happy never 
So it's, I'm so grateful for that. Thank you so much. And I'm thrilled. I Thank love you. it. <laughs> yeah. And I'll also say just because it's so intense is that um, my mom died while I was writing the book. It was, yeah, it was super tough. So that was another thing of, you know, when you're giving birth to your baby and your mom is dying at the same time. It's kind of like a, it was quite the journey, but thank you for hanging out with us, Mary. I'm so glad. Yay. Keep in touch. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Mary. Um, So Christy, where can people stay in touch with you? And um, let's let people know like where, what's coming up and how can people get involved? Mm. So, I mean, the book is, you know, I'll be so honored and humbled and amazed. Like just if you're, if you want to buy the book, it's, it's pretty amazing. And here's what I'm going to say about the book. Go slow, go. It's deep. You read a couple pages, two or three pages, keep a journal by your side all the time when you're, when you're reading this book, cause it's got a lot of reflection questions in it, a lot of practices to try. So um, read the book. I'm at gratefulness.org. You can find me anytime um, there. You can, I'm, you know, contact us, you know, in the, in the about section and, um, and I'll be hanging out with Sydney, you know, <laughs> you'll, find, you'll find me following on the trail. Yay. I love it. Thank you so much, Christy, for joining us. I, if you're able to stick around, we'll close out with our group gratitude circle. And if not, I, I am I'll, grateful for you. And I am grateful I, for you. I'm grateful for you. Stop it. I'm going to cut gratitude as a competitive sport. Here we go. <laughs> uh, let's do it. I am so competitive. It I not be fun. <laughs> am going to be, I'm going to have to go do a couple things, but I'll be back. I'll let you hear Josh and I'm going to um, close a gratitude circle with you guys. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. We'll Thank you, you for having me. Of course. Thank you for being here. All right. So up next, uh, I'm going to put a little something on the screen because I think this is fun. So my next guest is Josh Swain. He's the lead singer of the movement. Um, So a little bit about the movement for you guys that don't know. Um, It's one of my favorite bands. Okay, so in fact, their most recent album, Ways of the World, which is on screen here, um, was playing on repeat for the entire time I wrote my book. Now, I took the liberty to make my own meme because I'm cool. So this picture is from Parsons Landing, which is a campground on Catalina Island. It's at the end of the Trans Catalina Trail before you do your last day back to Two Harbors. And this picture of me in the water came after five days of hiking across the island. This is when Hiking My Feelings was like four days and two weeks old. Um, And I had connected the dots on how sexual assault had informed the coping mechanisms that I had and that those had led to my diabetes diagnosis. And that the connecting the dots between my mind and body was the missing puzzle piece for me on my healing journey. And once I had that piece, everything started to come into context and make sense. So as I was hiking down the mountain, after I had this realization, I was like, I'm going to go into the ocean, butt naked, and I am going to give myself this rebirth ceremony. So I like, I walked out and I put my arms up and Barry took a picture. And this was one year. And like, I think two days before ways of the world was released. So When I saw Ways of the World's album cover, which is next to my naked body in the ocean, um, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So a little bit about Josh and the movement. So the movement has been winning the hearts and minds of alternative reggae fans since their inception in Columbia, South Carolina in 2003. Drawing inspiration from Sublime, 311, Slightly Stupid, and John Brown's Body, they've made a name for themselves as reggae shapeshifters with a foundation of heavy drum and bass. Today, the band consists of founding member, lead vocalist and guitarist Joshua Swain, bassist Jason Smith, 
drummer Gary Jackson, and keyboardist and multi-instrumentalist Matt Goodwin. Their sixth studio album, Ways of the World, dropped on June 7, 2019, debuting at number one in the Billboard Reggae chart and has remained in the Billboard Reggae top 10 for more than 40 consecutive weeks. The movement's new single, Mountain, featuring Clinton Farron, which was released on September 4th last year, is an upbeat and reflective reggae tune of hope and perseverance. Now, if you were following us on Instagram and you saw our post that was announcing Joshua's participation in this um, show tonight, then you saw the lyric, we only need to climb this mountain and we will be free. So, Mr. Josh Swain, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Am I unmuted now? Yeah, you're good. Hey, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. So where are you um, recording from today? Uh, I'm in my room. It's a little messy. Sorry about that. But I'm out in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. Very cool. So a little bit about Ways of the World and your music in general. There's a lot of songs that have some kind of nature theme to them. Redwoods with Nathan from Ayaterra. Ola, where you talk about sitting in the shade of a Joshua tree. Um, do you have a connection to nature? Are you writing these songs in these places? Like, where does that inspiration for the lyrics come from? Um, I mean, I've always been an outdoorsy kind of guy. Uh, yeah, and I've always, you know, either like mountain biking, um, you know, I played soccer my whole life, just being outside and, um, just always playing outside as a kid, you know, and we went camping as a family early on, you know, a bunch of times. And um, when I was in my early 20s, I ended up doing uh, Outward Bound <clears throat> um, out in uh, the Pisgah uh, National Forest out there in uh, close to Asheville, North Carolina. And um, that was like three weeks of like pretty hardcore hiking and uh, mountain climbing and uh, canoeing. And, uh, you know, we had like three days where um, we did what's called a solo. So you're just by yourself in a tent and, um, you know, living off of just a little bit of food that you have and uh, reading these like Native American writings. And uh, it was just kind of a life-changing experience for me. And, um, you know, after that, like, I've always just been like a camper, hiker kind of guy, you know, and whenever we're out on tour, um, there's a, a lot of special places, um, you know, where I can go and uh, when we have a day off or even like during the day before the show and, um, you know, if I can get outside and, and take a good long hike, uh, you know, that's what it's all about, so. And, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the songs, you know, do come from just that love of nature, you know, I mean, I'd much rather be outside than inside any day. And um, yeah, I mean, Redwoods, uh, you know, I wrote out there in Cali and, um, you know, I've always been by the coast. And so a lot of stuff is inspired by the ocean and, um, you know, surf culture and skate culture and hiking culture, camping, climbing culture. And so, yeah. I dig it. So um, what is, some like if you could go anywhere right now where would you go for an outdoors adventure where would you go and what would what activity would you be doing um I like I said like I fell in love with the 
the Pesca National Forest out there in uh, North Carolina. Um, but I did have like the coolest time last time I was out in uh, Portland, Oregon. And um, I'm getting uh, notes to speak into the mic here. <laughs> Thanks, fans. Um, <laughs> my manager's always watching me. Um, uh, well, oh, yeah. So I was out there uh, in Portland. And I can't remember the name of the trail, but it was so cool that it just really made me uh, appreciate that, you know, that the Northwest, you know, the, the hiking up there. Um, so I don't know, man, it, it's kind of East Coast, West Coast kind of thing for me. I mean, I don't know much about, um, you know, the hiking in other countries. I've never really been to a lot of these places that I'm sure are just amazing. So for me, you know, I've always wanted to do the, the Appalachian Trail out here and it's been a goal of mine. And, you know, and this would have been a perfect time to take eight months to go hike that thing. And I, I just like, I don't know, it just kind of didn't work out, you know, with family and stuff like that. You kind of have to be around, you know, in case or, you know, supporting, you know, your loved ones and stuff like that. So I didn't think that was a, a, a good time to do it. So I'm not sure if there ever will be, I'm hoping. Uh, but also the Pacific Crest Trail on the West Coast. So I'd be hiking one of those two things uh, probably by myself and um, taking like a good, you know, eight months, six to eight months and um, getting that the full experience of doing a complete through hike. I am thrilled to hear that. I also heard that you want to go by yourself. So I'll just like trail behind a couple miles and then we'll like meet up and have dinner and right. talk about our days. But um, those are both two goals of mine. And I first learned about the, the, just the idea of through hiking, um, from my friend, Adam, who unfortunately passed away in 2014 on a base jumping trip. But I also have the dream of Appalachian and Pacific crest. And I really want to go for it and get the triple crown just to see if my body can handle that and do the continental divide trail as well. Um, so if you, I heard a rumor as like a couple posts on social media about it, that you guys were doing some like humongous tour. Um, talk to me a little bit about what it was like, cause you were guys were going to have a great tour this year. So what was it like getting ready for tour, having this album come out, getting ready to do, you know, another great, um, round about the country and then having COVID happen and then now ramping up again for, another tour like what's your mindset been like through all of this and how have you been coping with the different changes um it's weird you know like we've been touring pretty constantly since you know around 2014 and uh even before that i was you know playing like almost every night somewhere and um you know so it's definitely just become a way of life you know it's not uh it's really hard to consider it like a job. It's hard to consider it like hard work or it's hard to consider it even fun necessarily. It just is life, you know what I mean? So uh, we haven't really known uh, anything different. Um, and, you know, we, we will get some decent breaks, you know? So we'll get like a month to three months at the longest off, you know, sometimes. and. Um, so we're kind of used to just like everything kind of being up in the air a little bit, you know, and then it's like, okay, I don't know. It's just like, feels like life is never really set in stone for us, you know? Um, so it's not, it didn't really, 
uh, like hit me in a big way at first, you know, um, I didn't think it would last very long. And um, so the weeks kind of turned into a month, you know, kind of turned into two months, which we're used to kind of turn into three months, which we're used to. And then at around like the, even the three month mark, we're still like, okay, you know, in like a month or two, we'll probably be able to do some festivals or do some shows here or there, or, you know, we'll, we'll be able to schedule a tour soon. And it was just kind of that, like, uh, that kind of pushing back tour always, you know? So it was never like, Hey guys, you have a whole year off, like do whatever you want to do, you know? So it wasn't like a big shock. It was this gradual kind of like pushing back everything. And at the same time, you know, we're still working every day, you know, and writing tunes and um, putting together, uh, you know, uh, deciding the way that we're going to uh, market ourselves and things that we want to accomplish and goals and setting things like that. So it still just kind of feels like it's just been a long break. Uh, it hasn't really been like a total shock to my system. And, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't nice to be off, you know, for a really long time and get a good uh, perspective on what it's like to not have, um, touring as like part of your, the main part of your life, you know? So it's actually been really nice in a lot of ways. And, you know, I always just knew that eventually we'd come back, you know, and, and things would go back to the way they are and to where they were. And, and I think they are slowly kind of getting there. And uh, we did announce, you know, kind of a tentative tour and, um, you know, people are able to uh, kind of reserve tickets and, uh, you know, when these shows do go, go on then uh they'll have them you know what i mean so it's a cool new way that things are progressing in, in that way um and so yeah we're we're stoked i mean uh it will be weird i think like we have a lot of preparation to do you know so being off for this long it's not like we live in the same city or even in the same state uh so i don't i haven't really seen the guys i don't think since in a year i haven't seen them um yeah so uh yeah, you know, Jay's in Jersey, Gary's in Orlando, Matt's up in Rochester, New York. So, um, and I'm in South Carolina. So we're just like talking on the phone, you know, doing this kind of thing. And uh, this is where I've been recording. And um, so we've got a, a bunch of new material and we're just, we're ready to put out a new record and get back out on the road, you know. Fantastic. Well, is there a song that you'd like to share with us now and then we can chat a little bit more? Uh, sure. Cool. So a lot of these, I couldn't really remember how to play. <laughs> I was like, I totally kind of forgot that I might have to play some music on this. And so just a second ago, I went and I was trying to remember the course of these songs because literally it's been a year since we've uh, played any of these, you know. Um, so I'll play something that I think I won't mess up on. Fantastic. If I do mess up, I might just, uh, ju I'll just stop in the middle of it. <laughs> Is that too quiet? Could it be louder? Do it again. Is it good or a little louder? Sounds good. So this is a song I remember off of uh, the last record, Ways of the World. Mm -hmm. 
Reed's trying to tell me something. He says it's, it's good. Okay, cool. Thanks, Reed. I thought he was going to say, you can't hear it. You got to turn it up. Thank you, Reed Foster. <laughs> I swear I'll fall asleep singing Songs in my head just to drive away the demon Push away any negative feeling Can you feel safe when I drink? Yeah, sometimes everybody gets co-wishing Yet another life, at another mission Hang on one second Quit playing like, games with my on. heart. What's that? I was just singing a Backstreet Boys song while you were waiting. You're welcome, everybody. Uh, thank you so much. No, it was cutting in and out on me. I thought my mic was messed up. Sometimes I swear I'll fall asleep singing. Songs in my head just to drive away the demon. To push aside any negative died and came back to life it's fine uh we've got a lot of clapping and a lot of thank yous in the comments so yes i will echo that sentiment thank you sir um so fun fact about that song for me um the end of that song is like the most beautiful meditative trancey kind of thing at the end and that was one of the songs where 
I was writing, I wrote my book in a week. So I had gone around the country. I had given 40 talks that ended up serving as the outline for this story about my two hikes across Catalina Island. And Stick Figure inspired like the journey that Hiking My Feelings is on. Cause once I found out that Scott like writes his music, produces his music, all of that stuff, I was like, okay, I'm not a musician, but like, who's to say that I can't go do that for myself? Like, what are the things I want to create and bring into this world? And why am I waiting for somebody to validate that? So Stick Figure kind of sent me on that journey of creating everything that we've created today. But when it comes to the, the book that people have read all over the world, that song in particular, The Return, was on repeat more often, like the entire album, yes, but also that one, because that trancey sound at the end, like I was, I get to flow state immediately. So one, thank you. And two, to have the opportunity to like share that story with you, even virtually, um, is just an honor. So thank you so much for being here. What was that song for you about? Like what inspired those lyrics? Uh, you're kind of freezing up a little bit there, but, um, yeah. Are you still, am I still good? We still yeah, see you it. still sound great. All right, yeah, it's just freeze, uh, breaking up a little bit. But um, uh, yeah, that song, um, yeah, it's mainly about uh, getting sober and um, the journey from like not being, uh, you know, who I who I really am into the the person that I really am. So that sense of you know returning you know returning back to yourself um uh yeah like the last words are you know so now i've returned and so yeah i mean you know i have like a pretty hardcore history of of like alcohol stuff and you know a little bit of drug stuff you know but um you know the the whole like musician lifestyle you know was super appealing to me and i talk about this a lot uh just about like you know and i'm not the only one i'm one of you know billion millions at least you know of, of guys like me who you know saw people like you know bradley noel and um kurt cobain and Jimi hendrix and uh you know jim morrison and you know those are the people we aspired to be and um you know i didn't start you know, doing drugs and stuff because of them, but it was just like, that's like, um, I guess, you know, we're very like-minded, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I have a long history of touring and being a drunken musician and, you know, just partying too hard and, you know, all the, it's, you know, not a unusual story, you know? And um, I got to a point where, you know, I just was not the same dude anymore. And, um, you know, my work was really suffering. I mean, this is like halfway through the movement's career, you know, and uh, the things that I could have accomplished had I been, you know, in the right mind. Um, you know, it's just squandering the hours basically, you know. So um, yeah, that, that song is just about finally uh, coming back to, to the person that I'm, that, you know, that God intended me to be. That's beautiful. What, um, what was the, was there like a moment where you were like, this is enough? Or was it a gradual process? Like the beginning of the journey to return home to yourself? What was that like for you? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it was, there wasn't like necessarily like one major thing at the end, you know, but there have been, it was just years of like knowing what I needed to do and not being willing to, to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I had known that I needed to get sober for, like I said, many years and, um, and, uh, you know, it got to the point where I just really thought I was probably going to die, you know, and I was like, I need, I got to do, <laughs> do something, you know what I mean? So once I was at that point where I was pretty sure, like, you know, my body was like failing, I was like, all right, well, I'm, I either get sober or I'm just going to die. So I ended up going to like a, you know, a 30 day rehab and, um, and then it's, you know, it's, that was like six years, over six years ago, you know, and, uh, and, you know, not to say there hasn't been some like serious struggle in that time, you know, I'm not like a one chip wonder, perfect, perfect, uh, sober individual by any means, you know, so it, it hasn't been an easy journey. Um, but the, you know, every day is like a learning experience. And um, it's not always easy to find out what those lessons are, you know, necessarily. But I feel like every day, you know, I'm learning from it. And I'm, you know, very fortunate to have like, you know, a, a decent platform to, um, you know, be able to kind of share uh, my experience and strength and hope with people. And hopefully uh, I can connect to people on, on some level and, and uh, help people in that way. What um, have you been working on? You said you guys have been working on a bunch of music and you're looking forward to putting out a new album. Um, what what can people look forward to in 2021? Do you guys have plans to release more music this year? Yeah, so um, we're heading to the studio in like two weeks. Uh, so we've already, uh, like I said, I mean, I've got all this kind of gear and stuff over here that you can't really see, but um, this is kind of where I've been uh, putting together some tunes and uh, me, Matt, Gary, and Jay, uh, and a, a couple other guys, you know, um, have been slowly piecing together songs, you know, like a puzzle. And uh, I've got like this whiteboard over here. I've got all of these notes and stuff on what, what we want to do with the tunes. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're slowly coming together. And we just, we had these kind of like thoughts of like, uh, where we should go and this kind of make a big deal out of it and go up to New York to this amazing studio out there. That's like, uh, really like, it's like where David Bowie like did his last record and, you know, we wanted to film it and like, you know, have producers out there and cameramen and stuff. And, you know, when it got down to it, we're just like, Jesus, you know, it's like so much stuff that things just kind of weren't working out properly. So then we, you know, kind of wanted to, just do it ourselves, you know, and, and then we're like, you know, do it ourselves virtually, you know, and basically kind of never really see each other. And then it kind of got to the point where it was really evident that we needed to come together, go over these tunes, you know, collaborate in a space together. And, um, and that's really the only way like we can really put out a, a record that's, you know, worthy, you know. Uh, so yeah, in about two weeks, we're all going to see each other for the first time and have a big, nice reunion and hug and, 
and uh, hang out uh, up in Virginia at this studio. And at the studio, we did Golden and uh, A Lot of Ways of the World. Um, so it's kind of like going home in a way up there. It's in the middle of the woods um, in this old uh, uh, converted barn. And uh, it's going to be dope. I'm really, really excited. And so we have like a good foundation for the record. We just need to uh, put the final, final finishing touches on it. So visualizing the first concert back when we're able to like actually have a concert not this drive-in stuff not virtual like what what are you most looking forward to about this tour hmm i'm actually like kind of nervous about it a little bit you know what i mean so um i mean i'm looking forward to it too but it's more of like a an anxious you know feeling um, I think most of that stuff will work itself out once, you know, we get a couple of days of rehearsal, you know, there's just a lot of moving pieces to a tour and, uh, it's pretty stressful at times. And, um, but, you know, I think, and, and then I'd probably be nervous at the first show for sure. So maybe I'm looking forward to the second show and then all the rest of them after that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a anxious feeling, you know, we'll, um, you know, have like a bunch of new material too. So that's actually really exciting, but it's another nerve, nervous thing too, you know, uh, building the um, like light shows for the tunes and making sure we don't mess them up. And, you know, like just, it's just a lot of parts, you know, there's a lot of things that can easily go wrong, you know? So um, it's definitely nerve wracking, but it's exciting too. So like I said, once we work out the kinks, you know, the first, uh, rehearsal for show um i think we'll be good to go i'm stoked for it yay well do you have another song you'd like to share with us you're still holding that guitar i don't want to make you feel awkward with it in your lap um <laughs> i just saw the most beautiful sight Oh, 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 oh. 
so much um so where can people learn about everything you guys have coming up new albums new things that you're doing live streams all that fun stuff where can they find you at um well the movement vibe.com so that's the movement vibe.com uh, you can reserve tickets there um you know you can go to the virtual merch store there and uh, help support us that way and basically anything can be done through that website of course perfect on, you know, facebook instagram and all that kind of stuff and yeah you can pick up our music through there and all uh, everything can be linked through our website fantastic um so for the folks in the zoom go ahead and pop on your cameras um what we like to do for all of our events in person or um virtual or anything in between these days um, is closed with a, what we call a group gratitude circle. So we just go around the circle, share what we're grateful for. And the reason we do this is our programs in particular, because our work explores how trauma can manifest in our minds and bodies and how the outdoors can help us heal. Um, sometimes the conversations are difficult and heavy and sometimes they're light and fun and full of great music. So Josh, first of all, thank you for being here. Um, and so we always like to bring it back with gratitude because as Christy can attest, um, gratitude has and living gratefully has tremendous benefits for our bodies mindful or mindful <laughs> in your mind um, body and spirit so I'll kick us off um, I am grateful for the opportunity to host this show and to do this work with hiking my feelings in our community here um, I'm thankful for everybody that has joined us on the zoom call and on YouTube and most um, top of mind for me today is I'm grateful for the music, Josh, that you create and the work that you're putting out, Christy, um, both of you. It's not a, a coincidence that you're both on this show. Um, I wanted to kick the year off strong and Josh, your music and the movement's music has just moved me in incredible ways and has helped bring me out of some of the deepest funks. Um, I can put on any song and immediately feel lighter. So thank you for bringing your gifts into this world. And Christy, thank you for the book that you've written um, and all the work that you do with the Network for Grateful Living. We are so blessed to have you sharing your gifts um, and the gifts of Brother David um, with all of us. So thank you guys and thank everybody here. Um, Josh, what are you thankful for? Uh, uh, these days, there's not a whole lot that I'm not thankful for. Um, you know, I say a prayer in the, in the morning, um, you know, where I say, uh, you know, may I face each day with gratitude. And um, I heard, uh, I believe it was Christy talking earlier um, about... Uh, so I think the, the key word was awareness, 
something about being aware and I'm, you know, just grateful for the opportunity, honestly, to be grateful, you know, so, uh, you know, all of the blessings that I have every day, um, I'm trying to be aware of those, you know, um, for me, that awareness is where I, I find my gratitude and, um, and I believe she was saying, you know, just uh, uh, making the, um, the ordinary, realizing that it's extraordinary. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing when you look when I look around. Um, if I just take the split second to realize how extraordinary everything is, um, that instantly turns into gratitude for me. Um, so right now, really, I'm grateful for everything. I'm grateful uh, that I'm uh, alive and able to do this uh, show tonight, and hopefully help help some people out there. Yeah, thank you, Christy. How about you? Man, I am speechless for once. Sydney, uh, I just feel like you're such a gift. I can't even believe that you came into my life and how we found each other. And I feel so turned on to all this great new energy, your circle of people, the work that you do, your courage, Josh, your, these commitments, I mean, the commitment of sobriety is so inspiring and I am so moved. I'm like totally moved by this whole experience. And I feel I have this sense right now that it's a game changing two hours for me, that these two hours are going to really shift something pretty profound. And I can't wait to keep up with you and share what that's going to be, but I can just feel it like that whole following energy thing this is a big energy to follow. Thank you for joining us around the virtual campfire. Sometimes we talk about heavy topics. Sometimes we tell poop stories. But regardless of what we've discussed, we always like to end the show on a high note. At the end of our live broadcasts, we invite our community to share what they're grateful for in a segment called the Group Gratitude Circle. Every week, I'm thankful for you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to connect with us and witness these stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. If you'd like to gather with us around the campfire live each week, join the Hiking My Feelings virtual campfire VIPs. If this were a legit talk show, you'd be sitting in our studio audience. We haven't been picked up by a major network yet, so for now, we gather on Zoom. Here, you can connect with the community before and after the broadcast, hang out for sound check when we have musical guests, participate in the Q&A, join in on the group gratitude circle, and be eligible to receive prizes and gifts from our sponsors, partners, and guests. Learn more and join us at hikingmyfeelings.org campfire. Don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, and anyone else who could use a dose of community and connection. Follow us on Instagram, we're at hikingmyfeelings, and you can tag your journey with hashtag hikingmyfeelings. And if you're picking up what we're putting down and you want to be part of this movement, join the Hiking My Feelings family at family.hikingmyfeelings.org. In case nobody told you lately, you are a brilliant human who is destined to do epic things in this world. Join us next week for more stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. Until then, happy trails!